Hi, this is Tracy Lords, and you're listening to Cinema Beef Podcast. to Cinema Beef Podcast. Uh, <laughs> ain't done a regular show in a while, so call it Cinema Beef Podcast 2.0 because there'll be some little bit of, not shakeups, but changes to the show. We're going to do two films rather than, than three. We're going to cut out the the mutual film. I think it's more fun this way. You could enjoy, you know, the conversation better if we concentrate on two films. And um, my first guest for this new format is uh, The Voice. <laughs> Of Grave Shift Radio, one of them, you know. <laughs> he does have that Ransdell fellow and that other fellow. Right, right. Uh, just, I, I heard they're all right, guys. They're all right, guys. Mr. Ryan Lewis, how are you, man? I'm good, brother. I'm good. It's good to uh, finally be on the show. I've been listening to it for a while, and it uh, feels good, man. I'm glad to have you, man. Uh, just in case they don't know what Graveshift Radio is, uh, tell the folks all about your show and stuff. Uh, Graveshift Radio is the greatest show that has ever been. It, <laughs> it, it's uh, you know on the Legion Podcast Network. It's basically a uh, it's review show, obviously, and also has music involved. It's got Bo Ransdell from The Devour the Podcast and Duncan and Bo Come Correct, plus John Rhodes of the Morbidly Made as co-host, and uh, it's a good time. Pretty vulgar. You guys should dig it. <laughs> yeah. Vulgarity is king, I swear. <laughs> it certainly um, is. Yeah, just uh, to get insight, man, have you watched anything really great lately? Recently, no, I haven't. <laughs> I've watched a lot of crap for uh, shows, but I haven't watched anything great other than one of the movies we're going to be talking about tonight. And, um, and I saw uh, the new Ninja Turtles. Right. Mm, yeah. Is that one of, your, one of your bad ones? Yeah, I wouldn't call it bad. It's just it had Michael Bay's grubby little fingers in it. So, of course, they have to change everything for no apparent reason. And, you know, now the turtles are pets of April and so on and so forth. And they learned to ninjutsu from a book. None of them's Japanese. You know, weird, nonsensical bullshit that they had to pull in it. But, you know, still, I had fun with it. My kid had fun with it. Great. Have you watched anything uh, terrible lately at all? Anything, anything bad? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Batman and Robin. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to talk about that, though, for sure. 
<laughs> and yeah, other than that, no, I'm just working third shift. So I'm working all the time and then watching the 7,000 children I have. So I haven't had much time for much. 7,000 kids. That's, that's a lot of. That's a lot of fornicating, man. <laughs> no, no. I, I've gone over this on Grave Shift. I nut once, three kids pop out. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a powerful story, man. It certainly is, man. <laughs> uh, so we can, we'll go right into this, I guess. Uh, yeah, we're doing a You Love a Film, I Love a Film format. So uh, we'll do my guest film first, which is uh, the 1974 Bob Clark directed uh, Black Christmas, the original. Mm, yes, yes. And we'll uh, get into that after you hear this trailer. girl's been murdered mr harrison's daughter is missing and now at the house where she lives the other girls are getting obscene phone calls yeah what i've done is i've tapped this phone so that when it rings it'll ring at the station house too there was a little girl murdered over in the park tonight yes i heard your phone's ringing Terminal 55.
Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, star bright, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs, candlelight glistening off of shimmering Christmas trees, chestnuts roasting over open fires, carolers beneath snow-covered window ledges. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Keir Dulay, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. All right, uh, Black Christmas from 1974, like I said before. Um, this is um, your classic, uh, not classic, but they haven't been done all that often in 74 before that, and slasher type film it's one of your first ones i guess it predates uh, halloween by three yes, years i believe what do you uh think about this film i think this film is fantastic everything about this movie i love i love the humor in it there's a lot of there's a lot of humor in it but it plays off well that whole fellatio thing every time i hear that it still cracks me up to you know, even like the um, you know the den mother, the fact she's hiding liquor all the time, and she reminds me of the type of person that's nice to your face, and then the second you turn your back, she's flipping you off, which makes you think about your neighbors. I like uh, shit. I like Margot Kidder in this. I like the fact that she's a raving drunk in it because it's probably fitting her personality more than any other role she's ever played. Yeah. I've always had this thing for Olivia Hussey, that uh, that girl makes me uh, feel special, and she's one of those few people as a granny now I think I'd still do nasty things to. <laughs> I really... Well, she, she is one of the first pair of breasts I've ever seen. Right, you know? right, and for that alone, you need to thank her for the rest of her life. <laughs> yeah. Now, John Saxon's he's playing the traditional John Saxon police role and he's doing it well. You know, the killer Billy, this thing, the the way they play this out having you know, this is the first time they did the POV thing ever. All right. This this is the only film up to this point you didn't see the killer. And it was just played out so brilliantly. Through the phone calls, through which it's to this day, I still listen to those phone calls. I still think they're creepy as fuck, frankly. And uh, even the musical score in this thing, you know, it just sounds like somebody's beating the shit out of a piano. And it just gives me this feeling of dread through the entire film. There's I don't know. There's not much about this film I would even possibly contemplate changing. Yeah. Yeah. This movie for me is. I don't know. I, I I can't explain why I'm not I'm not gonna shut it. I'm just gonna say the stuff I really don't care for, which is pretty much the meat of the film. I'd say like the the middle forty minutes really shits the bed for me, mm. and I don't I don't really I I, I lose interest, I lose interest after, after after the whole thing where you know there's the whole investigation and there's the whole thing with. She's pregnant and she wants the abortion. This is Mori Povich the horror film. <laughs> <laughs> They're making such a plot point about this abortion, you know. But then again, that's that's your red herring. That the boyfriend is the red herring, and then right. And not only that, it it what it's doing is unlike other horror films of the day, and even some things that you know come after this fact. It's giving you, it's giving you a story for every single person in this film. Every single person has has 
a plot point. Every single thing has some kind of emotional grounding to them. So these become three-dimensional characters as opposed to just cardboard cutouts you get a lot of times in slasher flicks. Yeah, but then you got the... Um, everybody doesn't need an arc, I swear, because most of the girls leave, you know, within this movie. They don't come back to the house, you know. So those are those are the smart white girls. The the dumb ones are still in the house. You know, the drunk the drunk Marco Kidder and then Olivia Hussey is still hanging around because uh, she's gonna keep her baby, I guess. You know, and oh, and uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, she wasn't gonna keep her baby. She was gonna have an abortion. Uh, it was it was a that was a strange thing. I don't know. <laughs> they were they were gonna talk about it and they were gonna talk about it and then that was that was the whole thing. I, I don't know. It was too teen drama for me, but they were like grown people, <laughs> so it, it wasn't very believable to me, you know? Mm. I, I, I would imagine it's just the lifestyle you have. You know, it, I'd say up to this point, frankly, when it came to any any kind of interpretation of college people, there was always, uh, you know, teeny bopper type shit, like go team go type crap and everything else. And then this this was Bob Clark's. You know, his his idea of, OK, let's make these people actually fleshed out and make them seem more like actual people as opposed to just, you know, a school stereotype. Yeah, let's talk about Bob Clark for a minute. That's one of the, the weirdest, most he's a beloved filmmaker for a lot of reasons. He's the most weirdest, weirdest rounded per, director I've ever heard of in my life because he made this. He made Porky's. Mm -hmm. And he made Christmas Story, three very different kinds of films. Right, and three <laughs> films that I love to death. All three of those I love. And uh, that's, it just seemed very strange to me. Like somebody told you, like, who made this? Same guy that made the Christmas Story. I was like, you're fucking lying to me. Like, no, I'm not lying to you. Right, and he, it, and he made Porky's too. You know. <laughs> right, just... and that's the thing. When I first found out about this film, I didn't find out about this film like too many years ago. It was probably I don't know, maybe. Eight years back, I found out about this film. And um, before that, I've been a huge Christmas story fan. I've got the leg lamp floating in my window every Christmas. I put it there because, you know, I've got Ralphie pajamas, for Christ's sakes, that I wear. <laughs> and so I'm a huge fan. And then I came across this film and then loved it to death myself. You know, that's just my personal opinion. And... Then I saw who directed it, and the name was familiar. And then I Google searched, and I was get the fuck out of here. This is <laughs> this is Mr. Christmas Story and Porky's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's one of those those uh, slashers that you know the, the ones that came after it. This is the problem I got with a film like this. I know it was the first one to do one of the first ones to do, if not the first one to do American film wise to do this kind of thing, the point of view thing, and the slasher in the house, and the slasher doing this, and the slasher doing that. But the ones that came after it did it so much better, and those are—I know those are those are revered too. But people put this movie on a pedestal, and I just—I don't get it. I mean, there's like four kills in the whole movie. I—I th I think there's four kills. But they're so here. memorable, man. Yeah, yeah. You... Well, the, the one—the one on the poster, you know, the thing with the, the with the plastic baggie over her face, and he suffocated her. You know. Yeah, that's that's to me that's a fantastic image and the whole thing of that's that's the image though but it is the worst kill in the whole film oh come e on e son. E e e even the fat fat landlady getting hung by the hook that you didn't see but you know what happened you know right 
is better than that kill in my opinion. Uh, see, you obviously don't have a suffocation thing. I've got this thing <laughs> with suffocation. You can't even put things over my face unless it's a pair of titties without me feeling extremely uncomfortable. And, and the then Ryan ejaculates. See what happens, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> if I ejaculate, I'd forgive it. So you can put some plastic on my face if I come. <laughs> No, but I think that that you know that that poster image was I to, to to be honest, I liked it better in the remake when that kill happened, oh. and that's going to be controversial. And I know I know it is. It's going to be controversial the- because to me that is the worst remake that has ever been made. Give me the Gus Van Sant Psycho any day compared to that thing. Give me any of these remakes I'm, I'm that not, everybody I'm screams about was, over I'm that film. That- I'm not saying it was good. I just like that kill better in the in the remake that oh, did this one. Oh, you know. Oh, agree to disagree, sir. <laughs> People gonna think I'm crazy, but I, I enjoy the prom night remake more than the original one. Holy but, you know, shit! Yeah, that's, that's another show. You know, but I'm just throwing it out there. You know, we'll do that when when he, when uh, if I ever come back. <laughs> if, if it had an R rating, it would have been a way better movie. That's all I'm saying. You know. <laughs> Damn PG thirteen. I don't need it, man. I don't need it. I don't want it. What about the um, crystal unicorn scene with that intermingled with probably some of the creepiest Christmas carol singers I've ever seen in my life? That was the that was probably the best. That was the what they call the make or break scene film for me in, in, in scene for me in the film was that was probably the best scene in the whole film for me was you know the whole atmosphere of. Oh, these carolers are singing nice, nice and loudly, and you know they're going door to door. You know, I probably throw, I probably throw cold water on these kids to get them off my property. Or something, <laughs> yeah, that's because you're not Olivia Hussey. Well, half of them are godless heathens anyway, if you ask me. <laughs> Damn children! No, I wouldn't do that for real though. But Shit, the, the, I got kids I, all over the place, and I don't even like kids. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that you got that going on, you got that Christmas. It's very Christmassy this movie, and it, it plays a role in itself. The Christmas, you know, spirit and the Christmas atmosphere and the fact that that's going on while she's meeting her death you know upstairs beautifully she, beautifully yes. shot too the the whole it almost gets slow motion at times and then mm-hmm. her hand collapsing at the end and just sh- knocking over and breaking the other glass ornament she's got laying around and everything else man that 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 thing gets me every time i watch it this is why we can't have nice things see and even how they do Billy for that thing. For that kill in particular, you're seeing, which is an excellent red herring, herring in a way with uh, you just basically see the outline of his fucking hair and a big giant ass eyeball. Yeah, you see the eyeball. Yeah, that's a I could be anybody. But, you know, they 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 make that a play like, you know, even as even as goofy as the stuff is like. You know, we're we're the search party. You know, the, these morons knocking at the door. They, they're the girls just giggling away. <laughs> There's a killer might be in our very very own neighborhood. We're just gonna laugh our ass off at these hillbillies with these guns going door to door to make sure that we're safe. Thanks, hillbillies. You know, it's just. Well, the, uh, to me, that's Bob Clark's humor. I mean, you yeah. you look back at Bob Clark and even talk to him now. He said he he's not interested in the horror genre, and which I, I, I which I lived in I lived in Northwest Indiana for. 12 years so gene shepherd is like god there right. so they, they know exactly who he is i've been in the museum i i know I've, i know where they went fishing i've been there before tons of times you know and right so yeah i know all about that stuff right so i think to me because of how i feel about this film and i know i'm not alone that um 
I think the reason why this film is so good is because he's not a horror director. He was just trying to make a film and he was trying to make a film on what – not going to any of the traditional tropes of horror. They Some of these things have become it now. I mean let's, let's think about when a stranger calls. That's a direct ripoff of this film in every way. They even like repeat yeah. some lines from it and um, you know it became tr- – a trope. It became something that has been used, but it wasn't before. You know, we already mentioned Halloween came after this. And shit, Bob Clark, he decided not to do a sequel. The original sequel was going to be, okay, Billy comes back, he goes back into the sorority house, but it's going to be on Halloween. It's going to be called Halloween. That was... yeah, but he's still, he's still there, though. That's, well, the big, that's, the, that's the best part about this entire oh, movie yeah. to be. And... It's like, there, there's no win for Olivia Hussey. Because the killer is still in the house, right? She 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 bumped off her her baby daddy, mm. you know, in the basement, thinking that he was something. When clearly he's calling out. I don't know if she was hearing something else, but she's got to know what her her lover sounds like, mm. even through a cheaply made window. Right, you know, right, that's true. But you got to think of psychotic people, man. Psychotic people. What if this dude had a multiple personality? He could have many voices in there. And yeah, exactly. You know, and he was. Uh, those calls are pretty creepy. I made a joke on Facebook that's long ago saying that I wish it was Dennis Hopper doing the voiceover that would be more convincing. <laughs> Daddy wants to fuck! Like that, you know? <laughs> I'd be laughing my ass off. So just if somebody like, made like a YouTube video just replacing that guy's voice with, with uh, lines from Blue Velvet, just throw it in there. <laughs> I'll give you guys like $5 so I can laugh my ass off, okay? <laughs> oh, man. And at the same time, I'd watch that film. That would be an A-plus film for me right there, see? <laughs> now, the question is, gonna, is... But I'm sorry. The question is, do you, personally, I, I know how you feel about this film. Do, while you're watching this film, do you get filled at all with dread while watching this? Not, not terribly, because there's so much dumb stuff going on. Like like I said, the whole baby daddy situation, the the child's death in, in the park that goes nowhere, you know? If, if anything, that that makes the police more busy, or you right, know, they they already have, t- you know, but you don't know, you don't know who killed this child. Yeah, but it's it's inconsequential. It, it, could be, it could be Joe Nobody, you know, killing a child in the park. And but, that, you know. yeah, that's how I see it. It was Joe Nobody, but this is just something to make all the characters in that town on edge, and not knowing that the biggest danger that's in this town is <laughs> in the attic of the of the place they're already in. Yeah, you know, they, you you must you must wish there was a sequel so you could like know what the hell Billy was talking about. Mm, it, well, you know, Jesus Christ, we saw what they did with it in the fucking remake. Yeah, but, I, <laughs> I, I I think I remember very vaguely the remake, and I, I don't remember plot uh, points or anything. Okay, well, important, I, but you know. I'll I'll bring up some of it. Okay, now Billy is he looks like a Simpson character, or a, he looks like a banana in pajamas. Remember bananas in pajamas? Yes, That's what he looks like. He's got yellow skin and he's running around in striped pajamas inside the wall, and you find out that. He had a sister named Agnes that the family loved, and then he took Agnes as a baby, and then he ended up killing his family, and nobody found Agnes, and then he gets locked away, and by the end of the movie, he's running around in the walls with Agnes, who is his now apparent twin sister, maybe? Because it's played by the same guy playing both characters in matching pajamas running around inside the walls. So they are bananas and pajamas then? Yeah, they certainly are. 
I used to have fun watching bananas in pajamas, like get a nice doobie going, just turn it on every once in a while, you know. That and I forget what her name was, but there was a, a morning show that came on at like 6 a.m. where I lived. I think she was from New Zealand or something. She did. She was this really hot New Zealand chick. She danced with like panda bears and shit like that. So this is like a live action kids show, like one of the like like the bozo show here, but for New Zealand. Oh, she already was Shusha. It was she was kind of smoking hot. That's why I like kept watching the show. It's like it's like watching those those Spanish shows. You know what the hell they're saying, but those senoritas are hot, man, you know. Right, so you're watching this dancing Switzerland show, you're twenty years old. <laughs> why are you watching this children's show? I don't know. I have no she, idea. I'm I'm trying she to just, she just keeps bouncing and you know, it's it's kind of fun to watch, you know. It's educational. It's educational for sure. My pants are a little loose, I'm making them tighter. Oh boy, yeah, but this one, um, I, I, I enjoy it. Okay, I just, I don't, I just don't love it. Like people love it. I, I have problems with the original Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. That's 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 my journey. You know, I, 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 I have, right. I, have it, I have qualms about things. Right, but... it's a lonely road you're on, my friend. <laughs> no, I, I don't love it though. I don't love the original Friday the Thirteenth. I love, I love, I love some of the sequels. You know, right. I still think two and four are better than one. Definitely, definitely. But, you know, I think it, as far as a lot of your complaints on this film, I, I see a lot of it. The things that really bother you about this film, I think in a way you're kind of missing the point of why they're there. The, oh, I, I mean, you know yeah. what I mean? With all these things that, that are affecting you and you're like, now this is what the fuck's this? What's this? And this grades at me and all this. All of this is there for a reason. And if it works for you then it completely works for you and it's it's taking you more in depth with these characters and you're basically going on this fucked up almost psychological journey with these people and if you're not like you then you're like what the fuck's all this stupid filler <laughs> oh, no, don't get me wrong i'm not I'm trying i'm trying to be nitpicky but i just think like we had a, we had a whole conversation about some other movie that i'm not going to get into because i don't think the episode's out yet but about how like the middle part of a film or the very end of a film, like April Fool's Day, could really make make it shit the bed for me, you know. And it's that's there, like you know, like the, the this movie started out real strong for me, and then that middle part just dragged and dragged. Did you trace the call yet? Is this that or the other? I, I love John Saxon. Don't get me wrong, I love John Saxon and everything. I met Heather Heather Langenkamp. My first question was, what's John Saxon really like on set? That was my first question to Heather Langenkamp because I was curious. And what was her response to that? I just asked him, was he funny? Like, because he always seemed real somber on, on film, you know, just, she, she she wouldn't, she didn't talk too much about it, but, you know, I, I would hope he could make, like, funny jokes every once in a while. I don't know, I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, John Saxon, but, you know, I looked at, oh, shit, I was some interview with him, it was probably on, you know, behind the scenes of New Nightmare, and he's sitting there talking about it, and the only thing I was thinking is, god damn, is this guy suffering from Alzheimer's disease or something? <laughs> it's like his mind was going in these strange directions that didn't make any sense and didn't pertain to the, uh, the questions he was being asked, and it was very odd, and even now, you know, I was just watching, you know, Black Christmas again, and there was behind the scenes they were having a Q and A panel talking to him, and he's responding, and then you're like, "What the fuck are you talking about, John?" <laughs> <laughs> so I think the conclusion I got from this film is if uh, Margot Kidder shut her filthy fucking mouth to this to the psychotic on the telephone, 
I think these girls would have a whole lot less problems than they had in this entire movie. <laughs> right. I, I blame a lot of problems in the world on Margaret Kidder. So, you know, it, <laughs> it could very well be possible. And yeah, she runs her mouth and she's saying some nasty, dirty things to a psychotic. And uh, but no, not even that. If you really think about it before that phone call. He's climbing up the rose trellis on the side of the building going inside the window. So he's already in the house at that point. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. So yeah. I guess we can't blame it on Margo. Yeah, you, you, you could sort of like blame her for egging him on, you know, just to say. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly. But she, she, was a, she was a real card in this movie. Oh, certainly. And you talk to her now, she doesn't even remember this movie, really. <laughs> you know, she talks about it. She's like, I had no idea people were going to like this thing. I had no clue whatsoever. And they do. I don't even remember what we were talking about. But, you know, it's, I'm glad people like it. And I think that's basically her whole attitude to this thing. In a way, I, I like her in this film. More than I've liked her in anything. I think she was a terrible choice for Lois Lane. She was horrible. Yeah. Uh, because Lois Lane's supposed to be hot, and she's not. Um, and, it, like, even the Amityville horror or anything like that, I'm not too terribly impressed by her. But in this role, you know, I believed her as a, you know, raving drunk with asthma. Yes, indeed, man. I, I, I agree. That's that's the role she played, and she uh, she played it well, you know. I just don't, like I said, for for those reasons, and I, I get everything you're saying. You're you're not wrong about anything, and I, I know I'll never say anybody's wrong about anything. Cause I get the ideas, all the ideas you're talking about. I just don't particularly enjoy that. Right. I'm like, but those, I'm I'm like I'm like 13 years old all over again. Like, uh, when's it gonna happen? I need something now. Something right now. Something now. Something right now. Well, you got that 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 middle part there, you know, where it's just not much going on. It's like okay. He's smashing the piano. He's fucking up his audition. This is all just filler. You know, and it's like, okay, they could have put this movie together in about for like 75 minutes and cut at least 15 minutes out of this movie. <laughs> well, you know, that's the beautiful thing about film in general. You know, what appeals to one is not going to appeal to the other and you different flavors out there for everybody. And this is obviously not your flavor. But uh, shit, I love the fuck out of this movie set. I'm glad you do, man. I'm glad a lot of folks love this movie because... Films need to be loved. I'm, I'm going to give the next movie way too much love, probably than it deserves. But... And I can't wait to hear what you're going to say about it, Frank. <laughs> In an analytical sense, you know, you start analyzing things and why they're there. You uh, either love or hate it. And I'm going to show some love to our next film. But this one um, right here, anything else you want to say about it at all? Uh, I don't know. To me, it's... Uh... This is the film that starts my Christmas season. You know, I actually got to start it a little bit early because of this show. But every Christmas season, basically my profile picture <laughs> on every social media is a poster of Black Christmas. I, I love this film. I watch it constantly. It's to me, it's a perfect, perfect holiday slasher film. And uh, shit. If you haven't seen it in a while, watch it again, and then uh, just let me know if you agree with me or Gary. <laughs> Probably not with me, you know, because I'm I'm lame like that. Most likely not, but I still like you, son. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do uh, grades. Uh, what do you give a one through ten, man? This movie? Uh, it's a yeah. ten. To me, this is a classic, dude. This is uh, to me the pinnacle of a well-made slasher film. I love this movie. It's a ten. Um, shoot. So uh, I give it, I give it a six, and that's higher than I was gonna give it because you you explained certain things to me that 
didn't necessarily make me like the film better, but it put more in more, more perspective than I would normally would look at this film because we did a commentary once for NFW and I literally fell asleep during a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there was no alcohol involved. I just, you know, well, at that point, how, how long have you been awake? Mm, I don't recall. I was pretty awake when we started and, you know, I, I just got terribly bored and I'm not, I, <laughs> the guy that runs the show, Nudie, he was, he did, he doesn't like this movie that much either. So he, he kind of, he kind of doesn't agree with me, agree with me, and um, that's a that's a bad thing, yeah, I guess. <laughs> this is so well loved amongst the horror community, and God bless you, horror community. You know, I'm not saying you pay my bills, but you listen to my shows, and I God bless you <laughs> <laughs> when I do a horror film. But uh, yeah, right after this break, um, and possibly a Twilight Zone segment you guys might be hearing next. Uh, we're gonna cover. The 1997 Jill Schumacher, I guess, classic, I would call it, I guess. <laughs> classic of our teenage years. Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, it's a classic. All right, see you guys soon. With another man, that's the end, little girl. Well, you know that I'm a wicked guy, and I was born with a jealous mind. And I can't spend my whole life trying just to make you toe the line. You better run for your life if you can, little girl. Hide your head in the sand, little girl. Catch you with another man, that's the end.
risk. Batman will watch his beloved Gotham perish. Just what I had in mind. Everything dead on Earth except us. Yes. Girl of my dreams. Come join me. Forget the geriatric bat. A partnership. Robin, no! In crisis. We're reckless, and you almost got killed by Freeze tonight. All you could think about was poison ivy. <laughs> How are we supposed to work together if you won't trust me? A family in conflict. And then I go after Freeze and Ivy alone. She loves me and not you, and it's driving you crazy. One kiss. She wants to kill you, dick. It's my rules that keep us alive, and you will abide by them. <laughs> you must learn to trust him, for that is the nature of feminine. In danger. But I shan't be here forever. Alfred's not sick. He's dying. Can't believe it. I spent my entire life trying to beat back death. But I can't, can I? None of us can. When Venom meets vengeance. <laughs> Justice cannot fight alone. Suit me up, Uncle Alfred. Masking you, friend, partner, brother. Will you help me? Arnold Schwarzenegger, George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Uma Thurman, Alicia Silverstone, a Joel Schumacher film. Strength now. Partners? Partners. Courage always. Partners. Family above all. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin from 1997. Uh, so as I said, directed by Joel Schumacher. Starring uh, George Clooney as your Cape Crusader. Chris O'Donnell as uh, the the not-so-boy wonder. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. And Alicia Silverstone as uh, not Barbara Gordon, Barbara something else. Uh, your, your bad girl living up eventually. Um, yeah, this movie to me... <laughs> I don't know. I liked it much, much better this time around, and I'll tell you why. Now, first, you tell me what what your problems are with it, and I'm sure the list is gonna be long. Ah, oh, this is Joel Schumacher's big gay Batman. This thing, <laughs> this thing starts with giant close-ups of nipples and ass cracks and crotches. Okay, that's number one. How this starts. George Clooney in this film is. George Clooney. He's nothing else. All right. He doesn't even bother to change his voice as Batman. For Christ's sakes, he pulls out a Batman credit card at one point. Every pun Arnold Schwarzenegger says in this film is chill out, cool party, horrible stuff. It's all bad. This thing is filmed. My biggest issue with this, and I'm, you know, a nostalgic, nostalgic person on the Adam West Batman show. All right. I've watched every episode of that. I've watched it with my kids and everything else. It's stupid fun. That being said, the last thing I want to see is a multi-million dollar big budget version of it. And that's what this film is. In every way, that's what it is. And if they're going to do that, they might as well have Adam West in there. They, you know what I mean? And have him be Batman and put him in the, you know, the rubber suit and everything else. The whole story of it is pretty nonsensical. Uma Thurman 
Oh, I want to punch her in the face. The worst interpretation of Bane I've ever seen in my life. He's just a blubbering idiot. And if you read the comic books at all, he's extremely intelligent and just happens to be addicted to this serum. And he created it and did it himself. And here he's created by this dude who just happens to be psycho, which happens to turn Uma Thurman into a absolutely uh, ridiculous poison ivy. She looks good in some of the suits, but her line delivery, everything about it is so over the top. Everything about this is so over the top that, uh, frankly, let's face it, dude, it killed the original Batman series. It destroyed it. The director of this film, literally, if you get the Batman set, which I have, they have a whole interview with him apologizing to people, (laughs) saying, I'm sorry I made this film. I didn't mean to hurt anyone's feelings. I was trying to make a film people would like, and I'm sorry if I hurt you with this film. That's how bad this movie is if the director himself is apologizing to you. Ed Wood wouldn't even do that, but Joel Schumacher did. See, that's that's the whole deal. I got this film that I, I watched it as a, as a 17. I might have been 16. I was 16 when this came out, so I was a junior in high school. And... um. I watched it, and I, I didn't care for it all that much back in the day. First of all, I watch it now, and then you see Chris O'Donnell in, in this film. You can't blame Schumacher. You can't blame Batman and Robin for all of Batman and Robin's problems. You can blame the film before its problems, because the biggest plot point that Schumacher and the writers fucked up on is that when, Batman, when Bruce Wayne gets Dick Grayson, he's literally a boy who lost his family in in the circus accident. That's why he's the boy wonder. Right. Not a third not a thirty two year old man, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. When he, even in the one before this, I guess you were supposed to take him as a possibly seventeen, eighteen year old, even though he was like twenty five at the time. I mean that that was the whole point of it, you know, Bruce Wayne being himself an orphan, you know, he picks up this other orphan to be his ward, Dick Grayson who eventually becomes Nightwing when he gets about that age, right. you know? And then he mentions the Nightwing name in this movie, which is kind of a slap in the face, you know? Right. So there's a lot of slaps in the face in this movie. And, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll admit that, you know, it, it feels like the 60s Batman, but big budget. And I like it for that reason now. Mm. Because, see, we're exact opposites here on mm-hmm. this, yes, this view. We certainly are. But, um... I, I, it, as, for, as soon as I watched it again, and I watched it today, I, I was going to watch it with the commentary, but I don't want to go. I don't want to go there. Basically, <laughs> but as soon as I seen it for what it was, like, like Naomi Thurman, which she was god awful as as Poison Ivy. Oh my god, dude! The whole idea of her just trying to seduce men to get what she wants, and you know, blowing her dust around, and <sighs> how do you go from a female uh, villain type character from like we'll say Burton's Catwoman? See, I didn't see. I think that the, the problem with the Batman series is they got progressively worse as the, the films went on. Even the Burton ones. Well, Burton Even only they, did two, and the, se- the second Batman, one. I like the second one for different reasons. Okay, I, I like it too. I, I think it's the darkest fuck, and frankly, it's dirty. There's so much dirty, like under the surface shit going on in this thing. All sexual nasty stuff. The Penguin Man, he's a dirty fuck. <laughs> yeah, I watched that one now. Like the whole idea of you know them having a new Batman, a new a new um Batmobile every every episode, kind of 
irked me because that first one was so perfect. Right. What are you going to do? We're going to split it in two and turn it into the Bat Missile. <laughs> and we'll get a brand new Batmobile, which looks more and more ridiculous with every film. Mm. You know, and this one looked kind of crazy pants looking with the turbine engine in the front. And, you know, right. Robin has Robin. Now, now, I, I, now get me, don't get me wrong. The interior shots of this movie, with the exception of the Bat, Batcave, look pretty awful. Yes. But but you can't deny the exterior shots. You know how, how beautiful Gotham looked, and the statues looked great. But that's the thing. Gotham is supposed to be this dark, foreboding, depressing area, and that's the reason why Batman's even there in the first place. Because the city is in such disarray that they, they need this figure to come and basically straighten it out. And in this film. And it started with the one before, but it's this. It just amps up to the umpteenth degree. Mm-hmm. It, it's it looks like you're outside of a porno shop. There's so much neon light everywhere. People are wearing day you know day glow neon paint on their bodies so they could glow by the the, the light. It's just so fucking over the top. It's ridiculous. That shit that even the Adam West show wouldn't even tried. Well, that was that was Warhol threw up all over that show. You know, that's that's what that '60s series was. Right, right. And as a as a boy, I, I didn't know all that, but I knew I was having a good time. With all the flaps, bam, boom, bam, you know, stuff like that. But as far as the beginning of this film goes, you know, when you get past, you know, the whole them getting all geared up, and then you know, the whole ass and, and chest shots, and which you get that when Batgirl suits up too. Mm. Yeah, she's not a good bad girl either. Number one, she's she's supposed to be Commissioner Gordon's daughter, for Christ's sake. So Mm -hmm. they throw this stupid-ass subplot of now Alfred is dying of the exact same disease that Mr. Freeze's wife has, who happens to be cryogenically frozen. So the only person that could save him is officially Mr. Freeze. And it becomes something personal and all family-oriented because now we have – uh, it's Alfred's niece, so she has an extra stake in this. And at the same time, at the end, when they're all running together, they're officially a bad family. They're not just a team. They're a family. Well, the thing I love about Batgirl is, especially with that 60s series, is when it was a Batgirl episode and they she, you seen her at the beginning, you knew it was going to be a good episode. Oh, yeah, just but. because, you know, I, I could look at that 60s Batgirl all day long. She's There was something really slinky about her and innocent, and I, and I dug it. But Alicia Silverstone, at this point, I think she started to get jowls. <laughs> well, she was, she was still pretty relevant at this point in time. I think this was a couple years after Clueless, I think, or maybe... Yeah, yeah. I'd say, like, a good four years after Clueless. I think she disappeared yeah. into oblivion. That she was, she was done writing the uh, coattails of that Aerosmith video at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I thought she did okay. I mean, she had the whole, you know, I'm a bad girl in disguise kind of thing, you know, and that, that BS going on, trying to earn money because she wanted to take Alfred away from this place that he's a, living a life of servitude. You know, that bullshit. That was... That was Big old pokes for nothing, you know. But uh, the of course you find out Alfred's dying, which is you don't want Alfred to die. So you know you're you're rooting for something to happen. And that, that I, I I like I like I like the first twenty minutes of this film past the whole suiting up thing and the whole, you know, I need a car, chicks take a car. Ah, this is why this is why Superman works alone. Right. That stuff was kind of stupid. I'll cancel the pizzas. Oh, yeah, that's Jesus. Thing. Okay, this thing, dude. I. 
this got into the thing and it was a George, you know, it was a Joel Schumacher thing. Obviously, they can't have the end of this film without them getting a special bat suit with a different color that has no purpose whatsoever. And that was ridiculous. We have a scene literally where Barbara, she shows up. She is in the Batgirl outfit. This is the first time anybody's seen them. It's not like the original show where she's got a mask on and a wig that makes her hair different. She's standing there right in front of him with a little stupid Robin mask over her eyes. And fucking Batman has no idea who she is. And she literally has to say, Bruce, it's me, Barbara. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that, that's... She doesn't look very different at all. I, I do agree there. That's that was weird, but I lo- I love the whole opening sequence of Mister Freeze though. And I, I I like I like the puns. Let me tell you why. Because Arnie has been doing this for years. He's been going into films and hamming it up for the for the camera, and you know they've been writing these lines from for years and years and years. I mean, look at the Running Man. People love the Running Man, but some of those lines in that that movie are, are pretty much the same as these lines. Sub zero now, total zero stuff like that. You know, <laughs> same kind of lines that he says in this film. Right. But he just says them a lot more in this film. Oh, he certainly you know? does. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that uh, he destroyed this film. I am an Arnold Schwarzenegger apologist. I, <laughs> I own everything he's ever done because there's just something about Arnie. I like him, and uh, I, he's never been a good actor. He's never been any of these things. But at the same time, he looks you know badass kicking people's asses and and i you know i like him for that alone so when i saw him that wasn't a destroying point his puns i thought were stupid the fact that he's driving around a zamboni machine i think is fucking stupid i I love i love the fact that he had a group of henchmen with hockey sticks and skates that was phenomenal to me right and me being a hockey fan and i wasn't a hockey fan back when when i used to watch this movie i'm a hockey fan now right so seeing this on screen, these these guys coming out with their sticks, just hitting people and stuff, I was like, yeah! I was getting so excited, man. <laughs> oh, it and makes then, me think of another one, dude. How you know, Batman and Robin, they had no idea what they were going into. They were already on the way when uh, they get this message from Commissioner Gordon in the Batmobile saying there's a new villain calls himself Mr. Freeze. So they show up to the thing, and then all of a sudden there's ice everywhere, but they click their heels together and ice skates yeah. come out of their boots. Are you kidding me, dude? This is the thing. I just didn't care. I didn't care where they came from. This was goes back to the 60s series. Look, look at the movie, you know, where they're, they're flying in the Batcopter. All of a sudden, he's Batman's hanging off the, the ladder and a shark attacks him. Give me the, the bat shark repellent, old chum. Right, and, you know, he, right. he has a he has bat shark repellent. Shark you know, repellent spray to, to spray spray on this this shark that you know he knew he was going to get attacked by. Right, and that's now, the thing, now, dude. That's he's got a weapon for everything. Right, and he, that's he, the campy style, dude. That's the campy style of that series. Okay, look at where it was coming out, and shit. That's where the comics were at that time. Mm-hmm. So that's how it was. But the and this is obviously Schumacher's homage to it because that was the Batman he came up with but at the time that this film was made and that's the biggest flaw of everything of this film that is not where the character was the character at that period of time you read the comics we had you know the breaking of Batman we had say you know Batman took a serious tone and it, it was like hardcore at that time what was going on you had the the 
Azrael becoming Batman and having claws on his suit and tearing people up and Robin having to stop him from killing people. That's what was going on in the comics. And then we have this director in this multi-million dollar um, grossing series say, okay, I am making a Batman show that it is homage to the 60s Batman and thinking... Well, you, well, you got to... You got to remember where where comics were at this point in time between like the early to mid nineties, they were pretty much a dying breed, not dying breed, but they weren't as popular as they should be basically. Well, so I could say got, that you got the, you got the Hollywood machine, mm-hmm. you know, where the 60s series already established, which clearly, clearly Schumacher was going for that, you know, with his, with Jim Carrey's the Riddler, Frank Gorshin is the Riddler, that kind of deal. Right. He was a whole, he was a whole lot of Gorshin in that movie. Oh yeah, and I wasn't mad at him. He was like a like a like a rubber face guy. And I recently watched a movie where Gorshin played a a pimp uh, slash coke dealer, oh. and it was it was amazing. Shit, you that know? had to be a sight to see right there. <laughs> but um, it's just total change of character. But he clearly is living in that world, and that is what's going to sell. And I don't know if this movie lost money or made money. I couldn't tell you for sure, but it was a Hollywood movie. It had a lot of stuff for you to look at. And it was and, a and Hollywood it, flop. Yeah. And it, it had, and I love, I love that scene where, uh, for some reason, um, Mr. Freeze's, um, thing turns into a rocket ship. <laughs> and then the, they, the, the scene where they break the doors off and they're surfing in the sky looks really fucking cool to me. Well, it's it, improbable, it, but it looks pretty fucking cool. Well, to me, I, I think the whole thing of uh, Batman and Robin surfing on these metal doors, it's an interesting concept. But it, to me personally, when you look at that scene now, they look like video game characters. You know, at the time, that was the best CGI you could do. And now they yeah, could that's, do better. That's, that's, 90, that's 97 CG for you, though. Right. But out of that whole even scene. The, even, even the transformation of Bane oh. looked very nice. <laughs> it, it, the, the body bubbling up b- 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 looks, looks, like, looks like Spawn. You know? Right, right. And when, yeah, that was crazy looking. But when they were coming down, that whole scene when Mr. Freeze is spraying the ice fucking gun down and it's to slow him down and the little sparks of fucking ice were flying around him and stuff, there's something about that moment I dig. I dig that moment. That's probably the only moment I dig in this film. I, I like that they, um, they brought the, a tiny bit of the Heart of Darkness story in there with you know, him and his wife, you know, that that was a thing. Mm, right. That, that's, that still gets my goat when I watch the, the animated series, you know, that, that final, Nora, like, yeah, that, I feel for you, brother, you know? Right, right. and that's the thing. I, that, you got you got some of that at the end. Yeah, you, you did get some of that. You got, you got past the handmaidness, you know, when he was down for the count, and he, him and Bruce have that conversation about, you know, you could save a life. You know, and you could still do your research, you know, because, of course, Poison Ivy pulled the plug on his wife. What a bitch. You know? <laughs> right. And let's see this team up. OK, you're 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 saying things which are making me think of other bitches I have. Somehow she convinces Mr. Freeze that Batman killed his wife and it would be a good idea for them to team up knowing the fact that he wants to cover the world in ice and she wants to cover the earth in plants, which the two don't mix at all. Yeah, it, nothing would grow. Right, exactly. It'd be all, it'd be all it'd be literally, hell would be literally frozen over and nothing would grow. And it, she can't build her with psychotic plants, which play a really, this pisses me off. That, you know, I, I, I say that, you know, I, li- I really love this movie, but I, I, I'm defending the best parts of this movie. But there are some really shitty parts. 
like the fact that Ivy's plants weren't used all that much. Mm. Just some random vine work, and then her little Audrey two inside of a jar. You, you've seen that happening, and I mean, yeah. think about like you brought up the uh, Batman animated series, which. I grew up on that series. I love that series. Think of what they did with Poison Ivy in that series. Oh, yeah. You know, using vines as a weapon, like throwing them at you like Hellraiser chain style, you know, and grabbing you and throwing you across rooms and shit and like giant vines coming up and pinning you against things. That's all stuff they could have done, especially at the budget of this film. This film, they spent so much money on this thing, but... Schumacher just, I need to make it campy. Everything's going to be campy about this thing, you know? The fucking rubber lips so they don't get poisons. Fucking, oh. <laughs> Yeah. I love, I love when she goes to kiss Mister Freeze. It's something about yeah, the, Iron he, Venom warms the heart. He's like not, not the heart of ice. Pheromone no, dust doesn't work on the cold hearted. I love that. Yeah, oh. it's, those, uh, those puns are. Or tops. I don't know how to explain this. It's just Arnie having it up. And I love what Arnie, Arnie Ham is enough and stuff. I, I love Last Action Hero. Mm, for that Last reason. Action Hero, I'm, I'm right there with you. I actually enjoy the shit out of that movie. People hate that movie. I know. And that's it. I just remind people hey, that was directed by the fucking director of Die Hard. And that it has the best, some of the best Arnie villains ever. I mean, Noonan is the Ripper is probably my favorite Noonan. Yeah, no, no offense, Manhunter. But uh, Noonan is the Ripper is tops to me. Oh, it, you know, it's certainly he was a a uh, spooky character in that. I would you know I wouldn't want to uh, be in a dark alley with him. Cause that toy won't hurt the boy, mm. but this one will. You know, right, I love that. right. <laughs> oh man, it's so it's so bad, but so good. You know, oh, but um, yeah, this this one this 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 Schumacher joint. I I could I can get behind it a lot more now as an adult if I watch it like oh this is fucking horseshit because back in 97, well right around ninety seven ninety eight me and my friends would go to the comic book store every Wednesday we would get new books we would get some to eat you know that was a, a Wednesday ritual so having a movie come out like this it was just like uh I could do either do or do without this movie you know I can see where they're going with it it's a popcorn film at best right you know. It's not made for comic fans. So now, now, now the ones they put out today, if they put stuff out now, which, you know, I think this is better than The Dark Knight Rises for, for, for certain reasons. I disagree. I, I, I wholeheartedly say that all day long because there's not a point in this movie where it drags. And, you know, even though stuff stupid stuff is happening, there's always something going on. Right. Well, this is this movie was made for the attention span of a five year old, and I could say that because my kids love this movie. They think it's great. They they sit there and be like, "Oh, what do you what do you mean you don't like this show, Daddy? They're you know they're surfing in the sky. They're uh, you know they say Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger's freezing people. Oh, there's that, and they name all this ridiculous crap on this film, and as why they love it so much, and you know, I this this film comes on a lot in my home, so basically I leave the room a lot <laughs> <laughs> because they I the, my kids grew up with that Adam West show because I I've got those and I just watch those randomly and laugh at them, and mm-hmm. my kids have watched them with me, and to them this is the closest thing to that show. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of is, and that's that's why I appreciate it more now that I watch it now and I. If you walk, if you walk into this film, that's that's too easy. You can watch this film. 
if you want a straight up comic book film, don't watch this film thinking you're going to show a comic book film. If you go into it thinking, you know, I'm going to get some camp, I'm going to get like nothing that's, you know, nothing seriously really in this movie that, you know, could really got you going on. Which, by the way, I didn't mention, I love John Glover's hair in this film. John Glover <laughs> is just crazy pants looking in, in this movie and in most everything he's in. Right, right. He comes back as the vicious Lionel Luther on Smallville, and he's great on that too, by the way. <laughs> but uh, his hair, it's its like white and black and skunk-like, and he has glasses that have like 18 different lenses or something. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I keep bringing up stuff for this fucking movie. I know it's, it seems you love this. I don't love it. It's just, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, I don't know, dude, I'm starting to think you do. <laughs> um, uh, I'll tell you my rating, how much I love it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Schumacher, uh, shit the bed. I mean, it's, it's not all this movie's fault though. Like I'm saying, people love Batman forever and God bless those people, you know, cause, uh, Harvey Two-Face went from Billy D. Williams to Tommy Lee Jones in two films. And, you know, it's, it's just, and, uh, he's crazy. And, you know, again, but he's very animated, just like the, the villains are in this movie. And Robin is supposed to be 32 years old. And, he, oh, God, yeah, the, this, it does the horse name right there about the Robin thing. Because that's the biggest fallacy about these films, in my opinion, the whole way through, is that Robin isn't 32 years old. He is the boy wonder. Who becomes a man? It becomes Nightwing, you know. Right, right. He gets replaced five or six times. Right. <laughs> Jason Todd. Ooh, damn. Ah, oh, well, if that's what you're taking away is the major flaw of this film, then that, that, you that and is, I that, that is, are that is on one of the major opposite wavelengths, man. One of them, yes. But um, yeah. Anything else you want to say about it at all? I hate this movie. <laughs> uh, there's nothing much about this film that I find redeemable in any way. And maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe they were trying to create the film that they would go down in history as the most fucking ridiculous Batman film. But I'd rather watch the original Adam West Batman film. You know, the Batman, the movie with the shark the repellent spray any day than this I got it on film. Blu-ray. So do I. <laughs> Um, yeah, what I took from this film, I guess, uh, my final thoughts would be, uh, it's not all about bat nips and hips in this movie to me. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I enjoy the pretty lights and, the, the the flying people for no apparent reason, except for Mr. Freeze's lame wings, which look really stupid. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I took a lot more from it than I did when I was 16. And I, uh, I guess I appreciate it for, for what it is than you know, what I thought about it before, which was, a humongous piece of crap you know but now it's kind of just like a shit sandwich inside of a soggy bag you know it's just not it's not wonderful stop seeing something you want to swallow but something you you know you might have to smell for a little while you might sort of enjoy yourself if you look at it a different way right and i'm not gonna lie i'll 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 add into there's my last little final thought here i have watched this movie completely drunk and it was hysterical <laughs> so this, you know, this could very well be like the ultimate drunk movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The uh, ratings, I guess. Then, what do you give her one through ten? Uh, I give this a. It's a one. <laughs> because like yes. it's it's not a zero, which I probably uh, before talking about it would have given it a zero. I'm seeing what he was trying to do, and I guess he succeeded, but it just didn't work for me and the majority of the populace. So yeah, I'm giving her a one. 
yeah. What, what do I give this movie? This this is a, this is a rough rating because you know I I can go by so many different things, and I don't want to rate it better than Black Christmas because, in all fairness, it's not a better movie than Black Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you better it's, not. It's, it's, as far as film goes, if you want to call it a film, film, it's not as good as they get. Didn't accomplish anything like Black Christmas did. See, now I'm praising Black Christmas people. See, mm-hmm. I don't hate it all the way. Mm-hmm. I like I like certain parts about that movie, people. But I got I got to give it a five point five because I I like it for 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 the for the camp. I like it for a lot of different a lot of different reasons. Not something I'm going to go back to often, you know. But it's better than Dark Knight Rises to me. <laughs> you know, I'll say it all day long. That 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 middle Nolan Batman film I love. The first three kind of boring in parts, and I'll say it all day long. It's just you know nothing going on for me. And yeah, that's not going to be very, very uh, popular opinion because people love the people bow and blow Nolan at every expense. Mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest Memento fan either, so I'm just throwing that oh, out there. Oh, son, that, that's, that's one of my favorite movies. That's known. Listen to the Duncan episode. That's known that I don't like Memento that much, okay? It's just, it's, it's documented, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's about it for this one. Uh, we'll be right back uh, to close out the show. <laughs> I know you. I'm watching you right now. (laughs) Not really. Or maybe I am. However, I guess you're sat there late at night, probably not wearing much and scratching yourself, scouring some podcast-providing service desperate to find the one glimmer of hope in a sea of blabbermouth halflings expounding their opinions to nobody. You like B-movies, but which B-movie podcast do you pick? Well, look no further. Bypass the rows and rows of other shiny shows and delve instead into the beautiful and brilliant B-movie bargain bin. You know how you know it's good? No, it's not just the beards the hosts have, although that's a definite plus. It's the films. It's the Fun. That's once a month at bmoviebargainbin.com. Two men, two beards, two films, one show, the B-Movie Bargain Bin. We can't and won't be better. Come on down today to bmoviebargainbin.com. Just off Route 49 next to the star with all the stuffed sheep heads in the window. We dog it. Loves horror movies. I like them cheesy. I like them gritty. I like them campy. I love them all. He married Christy. She hates them. I think they're senseless and upsetting. Listen in as he searches through shelves of DVDs, VHS, and Blu-ray. There are too many of these movies on the shelves. We need to just start getting rid of them. In his never-ending quest to convert his lovely wife to the dark side. <laughs> Come to the dark side. In Christy, Christy's Christy's Hello, welcome back to the show. Um, yeah, this is the end of uh, the first episode of the new format, and I hope you guys dug it. Uh, Ryan, man, thanks for coming out. It was a real good time talking about some... Uh, some random movies. Oh, dude, absolute pleasure, man. This was this was a ball. Um, yeah, tell the folks uh anything you want to pimp at all. Now's the time, man. Right on. Uh, yeah, Grape Shift Radio. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes and on the Legion Podcast Network. Find us. Uh, guarantee you'll dig it. Great. Yeah, I forgot to bring something up earlier, and I should have brought this up here during the the beginning of the show, but. Two people died this week while I was sleeping. You know, I tend to take naps because I work I work third shift like you, so I, I nap in the afternoon sometimes. Right. 
So I wake up one one afternoon and Robin Williams passed. Who uh, I still I I still can't watch a movie of his right now. I'm not I'm not ready to right. to face Robin Williams yet. You dude, know, I'm I'm the same way, dude. I grew up. You did, I didn't think this until after the fact that you know he ended up killing himself. How much Robin Williams has meant to my film going experience of my entire life. It's wild to me. You know, I've watched, I've grown up watching this man and, you know, finding out that he did this and, you know, the reasonings behind it, you know, and things I didn't know and everything else. Dude, it's just been an absolute bummer even thinking about it. I've tried to put on Hook yesterday. I tried real hard. And then the second the menu came on, I turned it off. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, not ready, man. It's like um, somebody posted a video which, uh, had a bunch of his film clips and it was um remember the film jack where he was yeah. uh he, he aged uh, uh accelerated accelerated with that, that speech yeah his graduation speech at the end mm. somebody put that graduation speech with some other video from him and i was like wow this is some powerful shit for the end of a really kind of a lackluster film of his but right. you know right it's powerful stuff man powerful words and like uh yeah, I can't. I can't do this. Mm. It's like we're gonna do Popeye for a commentary for two drink minimum commentaries. I I gotta wait till next week to do it. Like, okay, right. we'll do it next week. I promise we'll do Popeye. You know, right? I need some time. It's like when Father and Son comes on TV by by Cat Stevens. I need some time, guys. You know, just give give me six minutes, okay? Right. <laughs> you know? And I've never. I, it's weird to me. I've never seen this kind of reaction from people, especially somebody that took their own life. This kind of reaction from people. You know, it's it's you know you got a few uh, people I like to call scumbags that are talking shit, but the majority. Well, Rush can go straight to hell. Right, he could suck the fattest of all fat cocks, but uh, the majority of people, they're you know, I feel they feel the exact same way I do about it, and you're getting that from people. It's like this is somebody that literally touched them in a very important way, and. Uh, you know, I, I find the respect that people have for it, you know, it's kind of refreshing in a way. It's like it's like when Macho Man died, which he, he's local. He's from, he's from like four towns over. So, you know, they had a big spread the paper about him. Right. He brought our wrestling community together. You know, when he, he passed away, he just, you know, everybody was talking about him and all that stuff. And, you know, it's kind of the same deal. And um, it's really strange how, you know, Somebody like that could have an effect, uh, adverse effect on so many people, you know. Right. And people could talk about the bad stuff he did, you know, like it dropped a hat when he when he, he died the way he did, you know. But let's not forget he was one of the forerunners for comic relief, which helped homeless people, right. you know. Right. He, oh God, it's still you know this movie, you know, movie choices were so broad, you know. For from one hour photo to death to Spucci to Hook to Jumanji to Awakenings to Dead Poet Society, all kinds of different films who could what they could hit you in so many different ways. He was that broad of an actor, and he made you believe that shit too. Right, right. He, he had nothing but rage, and you know, sadly, I think a lot of it came from all his demons because he had a lot of demons, and. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you think of all the demons he had and all the things that he's been dealing with and, you know, it's 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 sad that he's gone, but it's almost amazing in a way that he made it as long as he did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, the second guy, uh, oh, God, I hate that. I hate when this happens. 
But um, I'd bring up Lauren Bacall, but she had nothing to do with me really. But you know, mm. R.I.P. at 89 years old. Sorry, Lauren Bacall. You know, but um, the second guy that passed away when I was sleeping. You know, uh, Jay Adams, uh, one of the original Venice Beach Z Boys. You mm, know, yeah. died at 53 of a heart attack. And um, let me tell you that the, the skateboarding culture I, I love. I got to meet Robert, Robert Rustler um this past weekend mm. at a at a horror convention. I talked to him about it, too. I was like, you know, when I was younger, you know, I had terrible equilibrium problems, so I couldn't even ride a bike. You know, I couldn't even keep my balance on a bike, let alone get on a board and ride. So the whole culture took me by storm because I loved just to watch. And my my cousins built a half pipe in my grandmother's cul-de-sac and drove her fucking crazy. And, you know, that kind of deal. And when he... When he passed, you know, because we grew up with the Bones Brigade, obviously, Tony Hawk and them boys, you right. know, Peraltas, Peraltas team. But the way you explore back in those days, you watch those tapes, and especially when the, the movie came out, Lords of Lords Dogtown. Of Dogtown yeah. I explored more and explored more, and, you know, it became more and more special. And then he had nothing but a troubled life, you know, from when he was a teenager all the way through adulthood. And, yeah, he didn't come up like those other guys did. And it was really rough for him. And the fact that he's gone now kind of... <laughs> Right. It did something to my heart, man. Really bad. Like, you know, like, oh, man, Jay Adams didn't deserve to die so early, you know? Yeah, that's the thing, man. All these people going. And there's been a lot of it between that and Dick Smith dying and mm-hmm. everything else. It's just, it, ah, what shit? We're bringing down the end of the show, aren't we? Uh, it's, it's just one of those things where it, it's, at least for me, it's, it's made me become much more, uh, observance we'll say of my own mortality in a way you know what i mean this shit doesn't last forever so whatever the fuck you can do now and it's gonna make you have a good time do it yeah i'm sorry about that but uh yeah <laughs> if you listen to the bird and the beard you know i get sappy about things you know that's that's my sappy place when i'm on with the bird i could talk about my feelings and shit you know well, that's what happens when you're surrounded by ladies yeah, well, lady, she's a hell of a lady, though, you know, just, uh... Right, just she's good enough for a couple. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, special thanks, speaking of which, special thanks to, uh, my friend who's, a he's a cartoon storyboard artist and artist for a brand new book you should pick up called Guns of Blazin'. My friend Raphael Navarro did awesome, some awesome art for myself at the bird, made her bosoms hard and made her bosoms big and made my beard majestic, <laughs> uh, cartoon form, and, you know... That was a uh, that was pretty awesome of you, and um, it brightened her up brightened up her day when she was feeling down, and I appreciate that. So, thanks, Raphael. You're amazing, and um, yeah, right. that's enough, that's enough mourning and uh, pimping. <laughs> you can uh, find me on Twitter at GW. You can find most of my shows at LegionPodcast.com as well. Uh, when I decide posting, I'm still. And the uh, starting phases of posting shows and learning how to do all that stuff. Oh, it's a pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie. Everybody's saying, oh, it's not. But my computer, I tried it, dude, to put up the last episode before the one I just dropped today. And uh, a lot of the options aren't even on my computer. Like, so you'll mm-hmm. click a link and it says, okay, and you got to click this and it should say this there, but it doesn't say it. So I can't even do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, that just leaves it up to Bo. I'm going to have to keep sending him shows. Put it up, man. <laughs> but um yeah come join the groups i still have my uh my um review drive going on i actually added another prize to it to sweeten the pot because i got to meet uh our friend charlie band at the at this last convention too and he signed a uh tie 
Puppet Master reprint poster for us to for me to give away to people. Right so on. it's really, really simple. Just go to iTunes. And you have three chances to win people. Three chances. So if you put in a, a review for the two drink minimum commentaries, the bird and the beard, uh, this is four chances. Sausage Fest reviews or Cinema Beef, you have four chances to win one of four great prizes, you know, which includes that poster and a Jeffrey Combs autograph and two other items. You know, it could be really cool for you to just take some time and uh, show us some love. I you mean, know? and frankly, it doesn't take much effort. Oh, you'd be surprised. I, 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 want, I want to leave voicemails for people. I mean, the gentleman's got Midnight Cinema just had their 300th show. It's like, I'm going to leave them a nice voicemail saying congratulations and thanks for joining me on the new flicks. And, you know, but no, I didn't do it, you know, because <laughs> I'm a lazy cocksucker like the rest of my listeners. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Human but, nature, um, I suppose. Yes, indeed. Yes. You get too tired, man. But um, that's about it for this one. And uh, as always here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Thanks, guys. Thank you.